This is my oral history meeting with Gu Zhou no, no, that's not correct. Not correct, yes. Real pronunciation is Zhou Gun. La Pai Zhou Gun. La Pai. La Pai. Zhou Gun. Zhou Gun. Yes. Zhou Gun. Yes, Zhou. Okay. Yeah. So I've been corrected because mm. not only is my Burmese pronunciation incorrect, mm. but you were just explaining your Kachin. Not Kachin, Kachin. Kachin. Yes. Kachin. Yes. So the L, the first Lakpa, Lakpa. Well, uh, L is something like, you know, because as you notice, Burmese people don't have any family names whatsoever. So we are different. So I can not uh, erase my name. I can. That, that, this is my identity. So I have to put that thing in my national registration card, which was made when I, when I was about 12 years old. And they just wrote it down with English L, and then they just write Burmese Gun, which is not my name. But uh, since I've been registered in such a in such a manner, I have to make do with whatever it is like. So my, when you look at my name in my national registration card, it would be El Sao Gun. El stands for my family name, which is Lapai. L A H P A I, Lapai. Lapai Sao Gun. You see, for kitchens. Every kitchen is somehow related because they have this tripod system of uh, anthropological kinship. You take wife from one, give to another, and you become some kind of a brotherhood with the other. This is only tri tripod system. So there are many, many, many family names in this tree line. If you are not related, among this, you are not kitchen anymore. This is how kitchens are the closely knitted society. You were saying a little earlier that there are chieftains, your one is from a. Yes. Uh, my grandfather is Lapai Sautu, who has been, uh, who is one of the main kitchen leaders in the in those days. Uh, he died in 1975 when he was about 105 years old. And he led a delegation of Kachin chiefs, consists of 50 people, to Yangon to have an audience with the then vice governor of Myanmar, Sir Hakkad Butler. So this is the first time any their petition is that they would like to have their own home rule. That was the you know the uh, the political the jargon of, of that time. So, so they appeal for home rule, and they also appeal for opening more schools for the Kachin Hills because you know. The Kachins are the last to resist against the colonialization of the British. So 
Kitchen area was specified only after 1910 or 12, some, somewhere around that area. You see, when Myanmar itself was ceded to the British colony in 1886. So you can imagine about 30 years. So explain to people who are listening, where did the Kachin, what air, geographical area Geographically, we are right in between China and India. It's like a we're like a deader going into the Indian heart and Chinese heart, you know, that, that sort of thing. So it is known as, accordingly, if I have to borrow Professor James Scott, this is the heartland of Zomia land. Have you heard about Zomia land? Yeah, you can Google it. Zomia land is uh, a big, vast area where the capitals of India, China, and Myanmar were not, you know, uh, it was so far away in the nooks and corners of the world that they are never under any administration, any kingdom in the past. This is the hypothetical uh, conjecture made by Dr. James Scott. So this is the area, main area where, you know, rule, British rule came in only after 30 years. Because you were fighting all the time? Fighting all the time. So what, finally the British understood that these people cannot be, you know, easily quelled. So why don't we use another tactic? So they just try to befriend them. And then later on, most of them have been, uh, have been collected for their fighting purposes because of the fierce nature of guerrilla warfare tactics. They are so much, so good at it. They, they try to conscript them into British colonial army at the time. So the first Kachin contingent went to Mesopotamia to fight against the Turks in 1940, I, I think 1914 to 1918. That was First World War. First World War. They were there. They were there. They came back. They are all photographic and historical records and evidence still about if you wish to know, I can provide you with some more uh, literature or whatever, you know, some documents. So such is the kind of people living in the Qin area. They have no king whatsoever, but they have, they call it Duwa. Duwas are the chieftains, and they have the right to make war, the right to make treaties, and they have the right to execute any criminal. You know, this is it hereditary? Is it hereditary? Hereditary. Hereditary. So it comes from, you know, only when you have that sort of heredity, my name, now I come to my name. I come from Lapai clan. And Zhao indicates, Zhao means I come from ruling class. Zhao. It's a blue blooded Zhao. So. But, but uh, Burmese also have sword, right? So what in Zhao is different. It's different, is it? Yeah. Shan Sef. We are similar to Shan Kun and Zhao. Zhao. Shan Se Zhao is Zhao Pra. Uh, they 
when they mention about the priest Zhao. Right. So what they say Zhao. This is the same kind so of So spelled really not spelled correctly the Z A W Z A that is our Gachin version. Z A Z A U Zhao. Well but have you got in Z A U or Z A W Z A U. Okay. Yeah, that's that's out. Yeah. And Goon indicates that this is poetic number among boys in the family. Any Kachin who heard my name would know that I had four brothers. Really? See? Like uh, you might have heard about names like Brang, saying Brang, saying, oh, Brang means the firstborn. Bok No, Nong, or something like that. That, that indicates. The Balinese have it in numbers, you know, Wayan, Made, Katut. Same, same even thing. even Japanese. And you go back again after you have four or five. It goes. Back no, 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 not a bit. It it's down to thirteen, fourteen. We have all oh, the names. Oh, really? All yes. different names. Down, yeah, all the different names. So you're what number five? Number five. Number five. Anybody, any kitchen who knows my name, understood that I have four brothers. You know, because we are uh, patriarchal lineage, uh, we focus on that. We prioritize. Men rather than women, so uh, we have also names of women, but uh, when when it comes to you know relationship, the patriarchal lineage stands more strongly. So let's go now to when you were born and where you were born. Uh, to tell you about where I was born and why I was born there, I, I have to tell you about my my grandmother is the youngest daughter of the first. One of the first Kachin converts in who were baptized in 1887. Seven Kachins were baptized, and my grandmother's parents were uh, among the seven. So she was the first Kachin lady to be educated by the American missionaries and you know, when my, uh, she was also my grandfather's teacher. So they decided to become missionaries as well, uh, in spite of their heavy duty. So they are the real pioneers among the Kachin Christians. So they are Kachin leaders. And my uncles and their, all their siblings were, you know, properly educated. And my father was also one of them. And he was, uh, as before he was born, he was uh, dedicated to become a pastor. So even before he was born, he was given up to for for that purpose. It's like in the Bible we call it Nazari. It's Nazari. Nazari means that you know he has to be teetotaler. He has to be you know confined to some biblical uh, concepts and then he grow up. And then when he was matriculated, he was about to go to Yangon Insane Bible Seminary at the time. So there was one missionary in Kutkar, which is in Chan State. And my grandfather sent my father to get the recommendation of that missionary. And that missionary, by the name of Augusta Sorb and his wife, they were so pleased to see my father and they would like, you know, to learn some 
Jingpo, Kachin language from me. And she said, okay, you better stay with me. So I'll teach you, and then I'll let you go to the seminary. But then, it turned out that, you know, it never happened. He was a student teacher. Gradually, he became the first principal of Bible school in Kukai. Okay. That was long ago. That was uh, 1938 when they, you know, they, they established this uh, institution. And then I was born as the fourth son in 1947, after the Second World War. And in fact, my father went to Kansas State Theological Seminary in America. He was a, uh, one of the alumni of that school. And he spent his whole life in Shark State, Shark State, where we have a lot of Kachin population there. So we are Kachin living in Shark State. And this is one paradoxical thing that I, in my life, so I grew up, and in fact, I was, uh, you know, my... Was it was a very religious household, then, was it? Yes, yes. So in fact, uh, one of my uncles, my father's elder brother, he happened to be the principal of Defense Services Academy in Manil. It's Colonel Kunong, is his name. And everybody knows he's one of the person who, you know, founded the Defense Services Academy, which is in, in India today. So when I was uh, matriculated, I intended to go into the military school, the Defense Services Academy, but my mother was so adamant she would not like to see any, you know, because of their Second World War's experiences. She was. Did any so of your brothers go into the military? No, none of them because of my mother's you know, strong position. So I, I didn't go. And I then I went to the uh, University of Mandalay and I took up English as my major. And then after that, I was uh, graduated in 1968 at the age of 21. And, and then I was drafted into this socialist thing. But jump back, jump back to your childhood. Uh, to my childhood, uh, I must say that uh, we spent a, a lot of good time together with the, we are living in a rural Bible school. Was it a rural? Rural area. It's a, a Kutkai. It's a small little town about 48 miles away from Lashio. Oh, yeah. It's still there. Yeah. And there, that, that place has now become theological college. And, uh, you know, they Buildings are still sitting. The building that I was born is there still. And, and what was it? I mean, what was it daily like? A lot of praying and a lot of uh, no, no, not at all. It's just very normal childhood, you know. We, because we are Baptists. It's very uh, like quite liberal, not like uh, Catholics or so. It's like a normal school life. And, uh, we were living in a compound together with some American missionaries, and we still. Got in touch with uh, those my boyhood, boyhood friends, the Criders are there, still there. So we, we grew up together. This and did you did you know about the Burmese when you're growing up, or just when just all we like grew up, we you know I I 
try to remember my first time seeing a Burmese was when I was about 10 or 11 years old. We have never seen Burmese in our lives in, in those days. Only when you go to the last show or somewhere, you know, and we only start speaking Burmese when we go to school. Primary and school. Primary school. And the teachers were not Burmese, they are Korean teachers, because we have a lot of Korean missionaries, doctors, teachers, you know. So can you, Autumn, is it very easy for you to say, is Shan, is Kachin, is Karen, is it like... Very easy for me, you know, like a fish in the water, because <laughs> you, you can tell by the accent, you can tell by the way you, you know, your action, your character, whatever, you, you can tell it right away. Okay. Uh, in those days, Kutka is a small little town, we have a, a market day every five days. So on that market day, the bazaar, the market would be divided into, not, not you know, it's a, not... Mm, it's a sort of naturally divided into Chinese speaking section, Shan speaking section, Bechen speaking section. Only three. If you don't know the, these three languages, you cannot buy out the things completely. Burmese is not, nobody knows. Nobody, very few people speak Burmese. And that would be different now. Very, very different. After, you know, the Navy took over in 62, that was uh, just before I matriculated. Since that time, we have come to understand the marginalization of this people. Kachins as well as, you know, yeah, in 1962, they started this uh, Buddhism as national religion. So there was a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of people, you know, would uh, go against it. And we were just school kids in those days. And one day I still remember when the border commission, they came down from the border area. One of the leaders was there. And we students were supposed to be, you know, welcoming them. In a big line, hundreds and hundreds of us were there on the line. And all of a sudden, when they arrived, we were given some, you know, flags, <laughs> some flags and some <laughs> grotesque notes, big, you know, posters. <laughs> that, that was the, the first thing. That was before KIA was, you know, even born yet. So the, there's the nationalistic elements there. Because, mainly because, you know, in Gachin State, when the Chinese and the Burmese government demarcated the international border, Pimo, Kotlang, Kampang, these three village tracks were given to the Chinese. So the Kachins living there, they felt like they, their land has been sold out. So we were, instead of welcoming this big party, it was a big demonstration party. And were then, there, did, did we, you have were there repercussions for you having done that? Not, not at the time yet. You know, because the nationalistic, uh, what you call feeling, nationalistic uh, feelings are starting to burn at the time. 
It's only on the dead that Kerry became. You're the talking there about the army. The uh, oh, the army at the time was you know. No, no, ne- the Karen, ne- you're talking about the Karen army. No, no, not the Karen. Kachin. Kachin. They are only Kachin army are very much loyal to the government. You know, they have five regiments, battalions, they call it, in the city. These regiments are responsible for, you know, trying to save Yangon from KNDO attack, 1949. The Chins were brought in by airplane to quell that rebel, that rebellion attack. So they are very much loyal to the Burmese government. In those days, still very... But in those days, you know, when you were trying to get independence, the country was trying to get independence. Mm-hmm. Did they involve the Kachin in? Because well, you needed to get a plebiscite or a. No, no, not really. You know, because Kachins are always. We are not a democratic society, so they just follow follow the leaders. So when Aung San came, uh, I think we have to explain about a little bit about the independence. You know, because you. Uh, this is all very, very much related to Kachin's story. So when Aung San, you know, you, you know better about history, when these uh, Americans went into war because of the Treaty of Atlantic, right? So in that treaty, it says that Britain will let go all the colonies after that. So with that condition, Americans entered the war. So everybody knows that, you know, after the war, the independence is, this is inevitable. It's coming. No need to fight against it. What they are talking about in history is all... I must borrow Mr. Trump's words. Fake, fake history that we have been taught all along. And that was a time... You know, people knew that it's going to be, there's going to be independence whatsoever. So Aung San went to meet with uh, Atlee, yeah. Prime Minister Atlee. Atlee said, well, look at it. We have three wars with the Burmese king. The land seated in the first war, second war. These hill areas, Kachinsha, they're not included. Those are the land we pacified after colonization of Burma. It's not, not nothing to do with you. Without their consent, we, we, we cannot give you any Go back. Go and, you know, organize them to one. Sun came back. You know, it was quite it's a shame. He tried to take the opportunity that these hill people don't know anything about so he just try to grab it. From the very beginning, the Burmese mentality is to make this country as a Burman country. Throughout the history they have wiped off wiped wipe off the Karakines, the Mons, the Jans and by doing it, if you just test your DNA today, the Burmans are less than whole country. Pure. So, pure. Yeah. so that goes back to the uh, independent story. So you asked me whether the Kachins also included. So Aung San went up to Kachin State and Chan State to you know mobilize all these people. Yeah. They're not really blessed 
there's this like not that kind, they would uh, organize like a chin duas, which is like a samaduas in one of them. One of the kitchen duas is at the time was samaduas in one of He was very nationalistic and he was very prominent sort of leader, mainly because his father died fighting the British. So he can claim that he's one of the Indian leaders. I don't know. So he was all against British, whatever they say. You know. There was a, they call it a Stephenson Commission. They came over, they tried to uh, talk with all the leaders. Stephen, Stephenson was trying to, you know, coax them up to believe that, you know, you don't have to take independence with the Burmese. Let it take. But you have nothing. You don't have any education to administer your country. So just give us five more years. We will teach you how to do it, how to do it. But Sinwano was so angry, you know. You have been in this country for how many years? You have done nothing for us. Especially, you know, Kachins were discriminated by the British. Discriminated because not a single Kachin vernacular school has been founded in Kachin State. All the schoolings were done by the American missionaries. So this, that's why, you know, they, a lot of people easily mobilized by Smadu And then they say, okay, okay, we'll get independence together with Myanmar. Come on, let's go. And then they, they'll come down from Ijina. They get at some leaders and then came down to Bamo. And then gradually, according to my mother, they stationed at our house for one night. All the dude was coming down to Bin Lung, the so-called Bin Lung Agreement, you know, before the meeting was there. We were still discussing. And Samadhu was, uh, he was not very educated. So he has uh, quite a wild sort of uh, leader. So my mother, pair of shoes from my father and then some jacket for him to wear at the conference. Oh really? <laughs> and then from a dress. That that was that was told by my mother uh, just before he died some some time ago. Real history. And then my father was also despite the fact that he's a pastor and a principal of a Bible school, he is he has the passion for, you know, want to be united with the Burmese. And he is one of the you know, instigators to become a union together with Myanmar. And while at the time, you know, some of my uncles, they were highly decorated war veterans in the second world, Major Shanglong. He's, he's got an MC, Village Cross, and uh, OBE, Order British Higher, and my another uncle also he's got an MC for you know parachuting behind the enemy line and then here that would be in Burma right? in Burma yeah. Yeah. so those those people are very much complicit and they are so loyal to the Burmese government that they just go along with independence so that's how you know when we we talk about the plebiscite or referendum we don't have it but. Stevenson Commission did go about all over the places and meetings with the Chin leaders, 
so as not to, you know, they they told them that if you would unite with the Burmans, in no time you'll be dominated by these people. These these people are unscrupulous. They have very bad history, political history. So we cannot go along with them. That's the message that uh, Stevenson was trying to. That was quite right. Because I ignored it. But, uh, well, um, most of the leaders say, okay, let's go to the Shans. And then one of the Kachin leaders from Shan State is very influential to the Shan Sohuas at the time. So he was something like uh, uh, Moses of Pharaoh. You know, he is a Kachin. His name is Kung Fu. Kung Fu was very influential. He was something like an advisor to the advisor and father to the Sobwa. So he led them and tried to coax all the Shans to be included. So in the loan agreement, Shan, and then some representatives of Chin State come over, the rest are not included. The Rakhines and Mons, they are regarded as, because Rakhine was first ceded to British Empire. And then Mons and all, you know, the rest are also so they are, they just disregard them as racial groups in those days. Only after gradually, Aung San died. And even before Aung San's death, there was a Burmese organization, they call it. Uh, there are so many, one after another. Their ideology is such that they would establish a Burmese nation. One word one religion, one race. This is the, the core of the day. The Dui, the Mei, the Bata. So something like that. So this is the, even the mentors of Aung San, like the King Kuro of Mine, all these leaders of anti-British elements were there and they, they had to come up with that. Was there a Kachin member in that group? Or there wasn't in that. No, no, no. Because Kachins were we were not under Myanmar administration whatsoever. Only after independence we were merged into this country, and then we, we started to become Burmese. So, did you notice any discrimination growing up? She <laughs> can tell. They're bombarding from the air indiscriminately. Now it's. At very at this very present, these things are happening in Kachin State. Now more than two thousand three three thousand people are displaced. Some of them are right now in the jungle. They would not let them go. The Burmese army, you know, they they try to uh, surround all the area, encroach upon all the Kachin area now, the whole country just starting from last week. So these people are taken hostages by the Myanmar army. Because, you know, the rebels, Kachin rebels, they have now disappeared into the, you know, dispersed into the jungle. And they started to uh, wage uh, guerrilla warfare now. So they can, all their headquarters are, you know, given up. But not a single person died, and you know they are still at large. And any time 
the Burmese have come into their strongholds and they are surrounded in the jungle by the rebels now. That's why they would not allow the civilians, the babies, the old people, the sick and the vulnerable are all locked up. More than three thousand people. They they have we have them coming in minute by minute. Locked up where? In the jungle, in the midst of jungle. You know, they, they don't let no So what happens if they come out? They if they come out, the rebels will finish them up. Because they they, they need human shields. So they're stuck between the now, now, right, right now. Yesterday there was a big demonstration in the China. Is that the capital of uh, Kitchen State? Yes. Yes. So we've now got you matriculating mm-hmm. in the story of you. Okay. <laughs> where, where were you? Where did you matriculate? Up there. Well, or? I I was in uh, matriculated in Maymu. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I know well. Maybe there. I that's a military. Uh, was that, that, that's where my 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 uncle was the, the chief of the <laughs> defense services academy. You were sent by your parents to stay with him. Yes. For so, education. For, no, just for two years. You know, I had my education in Kukai, which is a very good school and run by some the missionaries that teach English there. We call it National Christian School there. It has very good record. But, you know, when it comes to Burmese language and all, we need some kind of exposure. So I, I was sent to Maymil, and then I matriculated in Maymil. And then I I uh, continued my studies in Mandalay University, Mandalay. From 1964 to 1968, I was there. And I got my... Uh, I got my degree, Bachelor of Arts degree and majoring in English. And, and is that when you, you the options were going into the military and your mother said no? No, even before that. Even before that. that, that, that was, uh, when I was sitting for matriculation, I would have okay. And then, by that time I was graduate, it was, discrimination was very evident, very black and white, no Kachins or Shans or whoever, you know, especially Kachins are discriminated not to enter into Defense Service Academy. This is an unwritten sort of a order by Nevin. Still not, not now, though. <laughs> I think it's still going on like that. <laughs> then I was, uh, after I was graduated, as I said, uh, second, uh, the Burmese way to socialism was on the rise. So they want some young, educated Kachin to be uh, secretary of Kutkai uh, party unit. So they, they approached me and want me to, okay, we want you to become secretary of the party unit, township party unit. It's a very big post. The socialist party. Unit. Socialist. And then I was sent to the, uh, we call it the Central Political Science in Menglado, which is So I spent there about well, one and a half year, trained as a cadre for socialism, <laughs> and then teacher. <laughs> and then I, I, I was not very much convinced about it. Because, you know, 
is that this ideology is not perfect. As, as and when it's necessary, we can you know, still take in some more good things. And then I was making a lot of questions, especially to the uh, teachers. And, and they were watching at me, and they would want me to, to be one of the instructors at the Ideology. Wouldn't they be MI would be suspicious of Kachin? <laughs> they are always suspicious. They, they thought all the Kachins yeah. are KIAs. <laughs> you know? So I was I was there in one and a half year and then I came when I came out I was made to understand that my party application form was missing in good kind. So when the the cardinal who is, uh, you know, in charge of that big area, by the name of who become the secretary of the central committee. He was there together with me in uh, under training at the time. So he knows very well about me and he was so happy that, oh, I'm so proud of you to be, you know, working together. So, And then later on I, I heard that my application form was missing. But he said, anyway, come over. You know, let's work together. And then, you know, I got some very inkling feeling that there must be some elements that would, they, they, you know, dislike me. So I said, I cannot go and work with the people who dislikes me. You know, it would be a tragic. So I decided not to work. And then I started looking for some, some work here. And I was, all of a sudden, there was an opening at the, at the time, Walking People's Daily is a big government enterprise, a government uh, newspaper, English. So I applied for it. Well, we had to sit for an examination where 1,000 people sat. And I was the only one to be selected. Wow. Proofreader come junior editor. Were you good at school? Is that all the way you were good at school? No. You know, because I think uh, my training with the KEDA training was very, you know, uh, effective. And it, it, you know, just give them the, the sort of answer they would like to get. So you knew what they wanted. Yeah, it was, yeah. And then I, I started working. There, but three months daytime, three months nighttime. After six months, well, I think I'm gonna be a you know drunkard sooner or later because three three months without your friend daytime and you know you are lost there. So with some mosquitoes biting biting in the nighttime, and then I said, okay, I think I should leave this, and I, I left that position, and then I came back to. Well, in those days, uh, you know, to become a tutor in the what university. What year are we approximately talking about? Approximately 1969. 68, I was graduated. 69, 60, uh, 70. That was uh, after six, uh, one and a half year. I was uh, six, 68 November, I graduated. 69, 70, I also graduated from that, that uh, 
Socialist Academy, and then around that area, I spent about uh, six months in the in the newspaper, newspaper, and then sometime I've been wandering around and you know just don't work anything for some time. I went back to Kokai and you know go about and thinking what I should do in my lifetime, and then you not know, married, not married, not, not married. So I, I decided that I should go back to school because of my uh, English education. And I had very good marks during the examination. In those days, the professor can appoint, you know, can recommend somebody to become the tutor of the department. And by the time, that system was no more. So I had to sit for another examination. So I sat there, I sat for examination, and then I was appointed tutor. And then when I was appointed, my place was at the same place, Boulder Town area. It's at night, they, they have oh, what you call it, uh, people's college, meant for those people uh, who are working in the daytime, and they would come in the evening for, you know, for the study. So I was appointed there, and then... I said, no, no way. I cannot escape from this environment. So, so I went to the, the deputy minister of education by the time Dr. Nini, oh, short, yeah, yeah. short little fella who yeah. was now in uh, Australia. He was a friend of Tan Wu. <laughs> Most of them. <laughs> I went to him and said, uh, could you transform it to some other places? I don't know why. Wow, you are the one and only one who would like to lead you. Everybody wants to come into Yango one day. Just name it. You get your choice uh, anywhere you like. And I then I could be Michinawa down here. I said, Michinawa would be better because I, I have not been to the place. So I want to know about the Kachimbi. So starting from 1971, March. I was I become a tutor an English department and then I at where Michina Michina College yeah, that's a teachers set of teachers college no no we call it the Michina College an intermediate college right okay. there's only only two years there and all the FRCs the Chinese kids from Yangon everywhere among Yuashibu they were sent up to Michina and we have about three thousand students there. And I, I was uh, a tutor, and then I, I also become some kind of a hall tutor. I got some extra money from you know, by doing so, and I I enjoy that life so much, so easy, you know, because I have to teach only two periods a day, five days a week. So since I was living in the hostel. Very close to the school. I took the earliest class, 8 to 9 and 9 to 10. So at 10 o'clock, I've got nothing to do. For the whole day, whole week, having good time with my friends, you know. <laughs> and then I spent about three and a half years there in Michina as a tutor. And then I was about to be transferred to Yangon again. Somebody said, there's an opening for, you know, this uh, diplomatic, what do you call it? Uh, 
holiday. I don't, I don't even know where the Ministry of Foreign Affairs were. I don't know. So I just went there. He has to pay something like 10 jats to get a chillan for you know, right. examination. So 10 jats is quite a big money. So I was so <laughs> stingy about it. I, I went there and I, I sat for the examination again. And then I was you know, selected there again. Top ten of the whole country, so I was there again. Come to this place. <laughs> somebody, somebody sent me. <laughs> I I don't know where Ministry of Foreign Affairs. So anyway, I was there and studied from 1974 till my retirement age come in 1940. Uh, 2007. I was in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. So were you, are you, you the only catching of your seniority in the Ministry of Affairs? Well, uh, some so-called catchings are around, but uh, they are some, some of them are married to Burmese men or something. Pure. And uh, I was the first and seems to be the last catching in the Ministry of Affairs. You are you're, you're seeing a very rare species today. <laughs> because... They are not taking up the chins anymore. And did you get posted abroad or was it all here? Well, I had been posted abroad, of course. You know, in those days, uh, there was some kind of a meritocracy is still still very much alive. At the beginning? At the beginning, because we have to, every uh, stage of our promotion, we have to sit for examination. So I have been doing that. The first examination... Best posting goes to places like Tokyo, uh, New York, or Washington. So I was posted to Tokyo because I stood something like number three. Despite all these manipulations, I got there and I was there. And everybody oh, envy, envious of me. And then after two years, then I think gradually, whenever there's an examination for promotion or you take the exam. We have to take the yeah. exam for promotion. So by the time I become a director in the Ministry of Affairs, some of my contemporaries, I got one deputy director and one assistant director right under me. <laughs> and then after that, I think after, uh, I was one of the persons who took the highest examination and got the highest marks and highly disregarded and forgotten. <laughs> didn't care. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. You know, then, okay. by, by the time I become uh, director, I was here for 15 years. And my you, career... You, not, you never went overseas for 15 years? Of course, I, I did. I did. I went to Japan from 19... 80, uh, 79, let's say about 1980 to 83 July, and then there was another uh, young diplomats training in, in Japan, so I attended one half year over there. So, wow. so in the 1980 to 1985, I think the whole of this year, so most of this time I spent my, my days in Japan. And family was there. My family, together with my family. Oh, okay. 
And then in 685 uh, I came back and then after some time I was, uh, there was 1988 yeah, so what riot. At that time I was supposed to be, you know, I was supposed to be kicked out in 88 because of my, you know, nobody likes my nature because I'm so rebellious in my way, you know, so liberal. Because by but then, then you had a general as a minister, right? No, not yet. Not yet? I, 88, we have a minister by the name of Jet, uh, Wu Ye Gong. He was there. And I was also uh, selected to be member of Myanmar delegation to the United Nations General Assembly. Just mainly because of that reason, I, you know, I did not take part in all this... Uh, <laughs> demonstrations and all. I was attending the, the office until the last day it was open. And then uh, 1988, uh, after this, that riots, uh, soon I, I was sent to Paris to take up the deputy permanent uh, delegate to UNESCO as well as the deputy chief of mission there. And the chief was a military man. Of course, <laughs> of course. And then I spent four and a half years in Paris, four and a half years. Uh, we are concurrently looking at Spain, Switzerland, Algeria, and UNESCO. Wow. UNESCO. So we had a multi country, lots of travel. Lots of travel, you know, with, with our diplomatic plates, we can go about anywhere. You would have enjoyed that. That would have been pretty good. Fantastic. Uh, I enjoyed so much of the time. And a great time to be out of Yangon. Out of Yangon. When people are all in <laughs> destitute, I was there. <laughs> Having cheese and wine and all, what not, all the best things. <laughs> I was enjoying that. <laughs> and then I came back in 92, 93 92 92 I came back again and then I was uh, given the post of director of East Asia Pacific Division and then later on I was here for five years without you know posting, to posting. because one thing I, I have every reason to suspect that you know I have beaten my deputy minister in golf because he wants to get that trophy and I, I got it. <laughs> and I have to spend five years here <laughs> without any posting. <laughs> Such a bad, that's an expensive game of golf. <laughs> Just a joke. Maybe or may not be. You know, and then uh, after that, I was posted to Japan again from 1987 to... As what? Minister Councillor. Minister Councillor. <laughs> a very senior one, isn't it? <laughs> Minister Councillor, I spent about three and a half years there. I came back in uh, 2001. Two, I think. 2002. One or two. And then I become... They gave me a Deputy Director General of Protocol. And in fact, you know, after some time, Oh, your posting has been, you know, uh, somewhere they have to make use of my posting. And I have to be, you know, <laughs> still the director. I mean, a director for 15 years. You can't no imagine. Promotion. <laughs> no promotion. But what was the next promotion? 
deputy. Uh, uh, it should be deputy director general, but the, I I had it once for a short time and it was taken away again you know, because of its temporary nature. Acting deputy director general. Because those positions were filled by military people. No, not really. That some other places, you know, the lien was not there, so they had to take that out to give it to some other right. new posting uh, positions. And you know, I, I don't know. I don't care about it because I know that it's gonna be. I, 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 I have, you know, rich my summit. Right. Yeah. After fifteen years, <laughs> I, I couldn't. I don't expect anything from them. So, so when you retired, you mm-hmm. then got involved with the. Um, which commission, the um, Peace Commission or the uh, Human Rights Commission or...? Yeah, something like that. After uh, five years here, I was uh, reposted to Russia. But after you resigned? No, after you retired? No, no, not before. Oh, while you were 15 years? Some of you 15 yeah, years. Within 15 years. Yeah. After I came back from Japan, yeah. five years I spent yeah. here, and then I, I was reassigned to Russia. Deputy or deputy chief of mission, of course. Yeah, of course, course. yeah. I enjoyed it, uh, you know. Despite the cold there, I <laughs> sorry, what years? Was, that's before the twenty two thousand five to two thousand seven. When did the breakup happen? When did the Soviet Union break up? Breakup happened in eight uh, ninety ninety two. So it was already Russia. Already Russia. So already Russia. I, I was there at, uh, from 2005 to 2007 until uh, I retired. And then soon after I came back, I came back just before, one day before my birthday, 60th birthday, and then I I put up the, you know. Resignation papers? Uh, not really resignation, it's a retirement paper. And then absconded. Otherwise, Yang Win was waiting for me to be, you know, Extension for three yeah. years, three years, and they are doing that like slaves there. So they want can't get away. You know, they don't have many qualified people there at yeah, that yeah. level. That's why I ran away from for only after six or seven months only. Then I, I got the discharge. So you put the papers in, and then, and then I absconded. <laughs> absconded. So where? Back to back to Kachin State, State, and wherever you know. It suits me. I just go about them without getting any contact from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. But you knew nothing would happen with that. You weren't going to. You weren't going to get into trouble for that. They couldn't. No, no, no. Because I'm, you know, mandatory retirement. I know they can extend you, as you said. They would like to extend me, but no extension that has come yet. Okay. So they would like to enslave me for as long as they can. And then after some time, you know, I was so. Free, wild, and free again, and one day, telephone ring. Uh, this is General so and so. Are you so and so, so and so, and so? General, then you you got the wrong numbers. No, no, no! Don't don't drop it! Don't drop it yet! <laughs> you know, I am one of the students of your uncle, Defense Service Academy, <laughs> and then. I know that please do not decline the offer because it, you know, the president wants it. It took us so many months to find the right man. <laughs> I thought something like 
out of the blues, you know, it came in and I thought, couldn't be, <laughs> could be some <laughs> phantom or some something. <laughs> it could have been a tight call. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just, I just ignore it. Two, about two weeks later, somebody wanted me to go to one of the offices there. They have a president. Please go and report there. I think maybe some <laughs> special branch people. <laughs> I was taken like a hostage again. <laughs> go there. I don't know what they are supposed to give us. What kind of uh, you know, posting they are. I thought because the general he read me up as one of the ministers, and I thought I could be you know some kind of advisor in the ministry of so and so and so. Anyway, I had to report so I report there. And he said, when he read me up, don't try to decline this offer on grounds of health, because I know that you have been playing for two three times a week. That means they have been, you know, watching it. Watching me. So, what a word. And the offer was? And then I, they bought it there, and then they say, oh, this is there. There's a, this is National Human Rights Commission. And so, I got to see people like Wimra, Jordan Sui, and all the likes, you know, <laughs> all my people. <laughs> I know them very well. So, we were there again. And the president, they say, what? Call us and interview with all of us together, one by one. He did. He didn't somewhat recognize me properly because he didn't remember working with me. And I don't remember him either. <laughs> That's the case. I was just sitting there and just listening to what they said. And then what he said was, you you all are quite senior citizens and we want your experience not to be working all the time but you know we want you to be facet uh, human rights thing you know just just you know, just window dressing we are supposed to be doing that oh you think it was window dressing of course <laughs> what do you think <laughs> and then and then <laughs> there was a the commission and I was, we were there, and every morning there would be some kind of, you know, we are taking up some complaints. And you have to do every day on this commission. Every day, every day. You know, what, what they said, according to the... What well, did your golf handicap? No, I'll tell you about that. According to the appointment letter, your position is uh, equivalent to deputy minister. Here are your rights. One, one uh, aide camp, your secretary, uh, two drivers, uh, one one uh, one Mali gardener, and uh, one I think quite a number of things. Plus money. Oh, plus money, of course. You know. And then we were there, like uh, you know, <laughs> so happy. Happy to be there and doing nothing, not really serious things. But but we come up with the uh, law, human rights commission law. And we we put our efforts there, and then we we have every morning uh, we have a meeting. Uh, it's uh, 
to do with the complaint mechanism readings. When four people are there, we, we have to take turns and sit there and come up with all the uh, complaint letters and everything, all this. And then we went to, you know, inquiry commissions to Lebanon down to Lashio. We go about to put, uh, to Nietzschena and so on, so forth, investigating on all this stuff. What, what year are we talking now? We are talking now about 2011 to 2014. 2011, September, I think it was in September, we were appointed, and then I was uh, removed from the commission in 2014, November. Removed or resigned? Not resigned, not removed. It's something like a very very, what you, delicate matter, you know, they, they just reformed a new commission without our names. Like, people, all the ethnic minorities are not included. Like, uh, 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 I forgot those names. One, uh, one Chin, one Korean, one Chiang, and myself. We were removed. And the new commission sets Was there a lot of human rights complaints from all of those ethnic groups? Not much. They don't have any confidence in Peter. We had a, I had a row with Jotin Street. You know Jotin Street? The present minister, you know, man behind the lady, Minister Jotin Street. He was vice chair of the commission at the time. And there was some Incident happened in the uh, Pakan area. One schoolgirl was shot. So, you know, I, I took up to, I invoke a meeting for that. Jotin Su was all against it. Why should we go and, you know, go against the military? So what? I said, this, this is our duty. This is human rights violations. And there was some argument between and then we don't like each other anymore. <laughs> but if your uh, colleagues, there would have been a number of colleagues who agreed with your position, I presume. So, oh, they are all, you know, condescending bunch of people. The minorities? <laughs> minorities, you know, they, 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 you, can, you cannot have powers in the, in the, in the government. <laughs> it's me doing all sorts like that, you know. But one thing is good for me. For this, uh, especially this, our think tank. Yeah. You know, most of them are thinking from the box. While I was out of the box, it makes you know, the credibility of this think tank more. <laughs> so, have you done any work on the current problem in the uh, West of West. the country? No. You know, the. Assigned me with a beamstick. Beamstick is a bale of bengal. Bale of bengal. Technical economic cooperation. When is that? Is that recently or is that now? Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, through your organisation. Yes. Yes. Okay. But the the Rohingya issue is you have not touched. A lot of them are doing that. This is not my specialty. So no. I, I, 
rather not you know touch upon it. But we can we can intervene anytime we feel like doing it. So. And you're appointed by the president. The board. This is no no this this uh, this thing is appointed by the minister. By the minister of foreign oh, affairs. Yes. Okay. And yeah. Yeah. The president of Suji is appointed. The, the councillor. Yes. And you've just been appointed for a second term, I think. Is that yes. Right? Yeah. I just say, uh, would you like to be? Would you like to continue? Or not as a. You're a youngster, anyway. You think so? <laughs> I'm seventy-one. Yeah. <laughs> no, but some of your colleagues are older. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Compared to those people, yes, yeah. wiser people. <laughs> so, and I guess, uh, what about your your children? What's the story there? Uh, my children, I brought them back to Myanmar. All of them, I don't leave them behind. And they, uh, they're all here with me. And the eldest son is he's married to luckily or unluckily to a career woman from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, and now he's she has been appointed to assigned to Laos. My son is there, and my grandson is there together with family. My first son, my, my second son is. Is running his own uh, travel agency, small travel agency, doing by himself, running by himself. Since you know they spend most of their schooling in France, they speak French and like French food, and they do all, all sorts of things in that sense. Yeah. And the third son may be interesting to you because he is an advocate, a lawyer. 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 And where does he work? His own firm. His own firm? Yes. And do they all take your name or what have you done with that? Oh, which name? The children. Do they have the L, the. Lapai, yes. Lapai. All of them have Lapai, Gunring, Ban Lapai, Sangli Lapai. Right. But I notice you don't. Oh, you do, you do put it in your name. You do. So they all put it on their. Their, their formal name is the uh, Lapai. Yeah, all Lapai, yes. Yeah, Lapai, Mundendo, Lapai. All of them are Lapai. And did you keep. Was it, you know, you mentioned how you had lots of sons, brothers. Mm -hmm. So is it male-dominated family? You, you Not really. In my family, you know, my wife, she's got the last word. So I have to say, I, I, man. So, and I do what I like. And you told me your golf handicap didn't get affected. Because, you know, we had the meetings in the morning part of the day. So at 12 o'clock, Almost every day I'm in the golf course. Oh. <laughs> Which at Burma or at? Uh... I am a lifetime lifetime member in Burma. I am also member in Yangon, and most of the time I'm playing at YCPC, which I'm not member, but because my friends are there. My friends are there. So you still play? Often? Yes. Next just time I come out. I'll... Just yesterday, yes, I was playing YCPC. YCPC. Yesterday I had six pars only. Six pars. What are you? What handicap are you playing at now? Well, I'm not competing anymore. This right. is for just for my health, for fun. Yeah. So my last question for you is: okay. If your great grandchildren mm -hmm. were one day listening to this podcast, to this oral history. Mm -hmm. What would be the guidance that you would give to a young child in terms of what they should do about life? Well, you know, 
life as, as a Christian. I'm a very staunch uh, believer in Jesus Christ. Christianity, uh, not as religion. My personal friendship with the Lord, Jesus Christ, who is still alive, still living. Uh, he is the source of my life. And to be here, we have the duty to serve other people for the good of the kingdom. This is what we are doing. So every time, whatever, you know, every night I have devotion at home, I, one of the grandchildren is with me now. Sooner or later, we'll have another one coming along. So my teaching is to my children as well, is to help people who are in need as well. My son has a lawyer. Don't ever look for money. Don't ever think of that. You know, what, whatever is right, correct, just do it. That's my instructions, and he's doing that. I, I think he's quite uh, thriving in his firm because he has a, you know, they, they, I, I don't really know what they, they call them, you know, when they come to. I don't know. Uh, it's something to do with their third or advocate or something like that. Some there's some you know ranking in their uh, position. Oh, yeah, pleader or whatever they call it. Pleader, yeah, yeah. something leader, like uh, something like something like that. So he is involved in some uh, international uh, lawyers association, yeah. and then. He goes about sometimes even to places where I've never been to South South America, Mexico, uh, something like that. They have some kind of uh, connections there. So there are two, three boys, three boys. and one girl. One girl. And one girl is she's living with me, and uh, you know, in fact, I I was one of the founders of Misy. Myanmar International School, Yangon. Yeah. And another one right here at the Shinsobu uh, Road, Green Hills Academy, oh, yeah. that is mainly for the kids. So my daughter is one of the teachers there. And uh, we, we have about, uh, about 290 students as well here. And it's uh, the Japanese curriculum. But it was done by the Americans missionaries who spent their lives who served there in Japan after the Second World War and you know sacrificed their lives and educated the Japanese and they had this curriculum they call it grape seed you can google it grape seed curriculum for the kids it's functional notional approach of teaching English to the kids so the curriculum itself is it didn't mention about Jesus Christ or whatever no without mentioning the Bible, all the virtues of the Bible there to instill the kids there. And we are we have a lot of Buddhists or whatsoever, you know, students. For the last eight years I've been it's been uh, quite thriving I must say because uh, there there are about fifty thousand students making use of this curriculum all over the world in nineteen countries. And this school, my school, is one of the top schools. Last 
November, some American family, the advertisement family, they came over and they have interviewed me and uh, my kids, some you know, some students with their parents and so on. They have, they have made a file, photo file for advertisement. And, uh, I was there also, uh, like propagating for this curriculum. But I can see actually what you would be saying to those great grandchildren that will come one day. Clearly, mm -hmm. education is That's extremely important. important. In addition to the Asian yeah. people are being discriminated mainly because they are uneducated. Yeah. Once a person is educated, nobody would dare to touch anybody. And you're an example of that. Yeah, look at me. You see, I could be in jail. I could be anywhere. You know, but I'm still alive and kicking and doing all the best for yeah. the good of the country, despite the differences in our point of view. Yeah. So let me, in concluding, see whether I can get your name correctly pronounced at the end. So, U Lapai. U, I don't use U. Some, somebody oh, would put it, but I don't. I don't okay. So, Lapai. So, if I were to, yes, if I were to use my name, I would rather call myself among the Kachin people, I'm known as Duwalapai Zaukun. Okay, Duwalapai. Duwalapai Zaukun. So look, thank you very thank much you very for much. your time. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to me. You know, I'm an old man. I like to talk. I, I like to, you know, share. Well, <laughs> I've certainly enjoyed listening to it, and I'm sure mm. the uh, people who will hear it will do too. Thank you.